0: Unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today?
1: I'm great, Nathan. How
0: are you? I'm fantastic and... My second favorite series in the history of the podcast. I saw the notes today and it looks like we're following up on that. So I'm excited about today's episode.
1: Only second favorite?
0: The Old master series
1: is, right. just p- holds a
0: special place in
1: my heart. I knew you were going to say that. Okay, well, in an earlier part of this century, I produced an audiobook with my late friend and mentor, Jay Conrad Levinson, author of the best-selling Gorilla Marketing series, and our audiobook was called Guerrilla Copywriting. I'm sad to say Jay's no longer with us, and neither is his audiobook. It's out of print, so I'm free to share my half of the material. Now, this is the fourth and final installment of the tips from that program. We've done three before. I've expanded them today and added some examples to make them easier to grasp before with the audiobook you had a whirlwind tour of copywriting rules and techniques whirlwind 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 today we're gonna slow the train down a little bit so you can take a look around and think about how you can use these in your own sales copy landing page and tiktok videos but here's something you'll never find on a tiktok video Copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear on this podcast. Most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you make extreme claims and or if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Of course, that may change if someone sees what I just said as a TikTok copywriter's podcast copy is powerful challenge, but that's not what I'm hoping for. (laughs) Now, today we've got some interesting techniques you can use as well as super important reminders because even subscribers to copywriter's podcast get so caught up in their offers sometimes that they can't give the fundamentals the attention they deserve. So we got eight tips in all today, and here we go. Number one, use stories to eliminate objections before they come up. A lot of copywriters and face-to-face salespeople like to deal with objections in an aggressive way that turns them into a verbal arm wrestling match. Here's an example. A prospect says, I don't know, that's awful expensive. And the salesperson counters, oh yeah? Well, let me tell you what's a lot more expensive if you don't get this at all. Even if the salesperson is factually, logically, and financially right, they're violating one of Dale Carnegie's most important laws. You can never win an argument. You can't because if you lose it, you lose it. And if you win it, you lose it. Of course, most salespeople have more refined versions of objection handling than this blunt force trauma verbal attack. I just gave as an example, but the problem with handling objections is you're trying to change an emotional feeling in the logical mind. It's not impossible, but it's just a huge waste of energy. Let's look another way. Suppose you were selling a high-end backyard barbecue grill and you get the common objection. I don't know. That's awful expensive. You could try an argument to overcome the objection, but suppose you tried something like this. Yeah, I know what you mean. When I got my own XJE grill, I wondered if I'd lost my mind. My wife didn't wonder. She was absolutely certain. But once we used it, things changed. It cooked more evenly and cleaned up a lot better. And just this July 4th, I had three separate people come up to me who complained they could never go to In-N-Out Burger again because my burgers were so good. That feeling lasted a long time. Now I wouldn't trade the grill for anything. If a customer can't figure out a way to pay for the grill, then nothing's going to work. But if a customer can, a story like this is really going to turn around the objection. Because really, a major reason people buy grills is not to grill meat. It's to get praise and adoration for their cooking. And who can put a price on that?
0: I was just going to say, I'm thinking here of a saying I've heard. You can never logic someone out of a conclusion that they emotioned their way
1: into. Oh, man, I've never heard that before, but I love it. That, that's exactly what I'm getting at. Now, that, the story I just shared is what I call a persuasion story. And I have a book coming out in that, and so we'll be doing a whole show on persuasion stories soon. But for now, the key thing to remember about objections is to make a list of the most common ones and use stories in your copy to dissolve those objections. Very often, you don't have to spell everything out. People will get the point. The other good thing about stories is people will repeat those stories to other people when they're challenged to justify the purchase they just made.
0: I just love that last point because one of the big objections we have to overcome is how are they going to justify this to their boss, to their coworkers, to their wife or their husband or the peer group? A lot of times they're afraid, oh, if I, if I tell people I'm going to buy this, my wife's going to say, you bought another crazy money-making scheme. My friends are going to say, man, you're too old to be buying this stuff. My boss is going to say, this is a waste of money. So yeah, we need to arm them with stories and emotional appeals to combat those objections.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, one thing I don't think direct response copywriters pay enough attention to is the whole social aspect of purchasing. Mm -hmm. The fact that a person is living in another world with other relationships and they're going to have to answer to those relationships, whether you like it or not. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. All right. Here's number two really great copy has two jobs. First, to move or motivate the prospect towards the action you want them to take, and second, to inspire your prospect to want to take that action. It sounds simple enough, and it's possible. We couldn't do effective direct response copywriting unless it was possible. And I'll get to the secret formula of what happens when you combine motivation and inspiration, equal sign, in just a second. But before we do that, let's take a look at a couple of key things you need to get the job done. To motivate your prospect to take the action they want to take, you have to realize people buy for their reasons, not yours. As my friend Joe Vitale puts it, get out of your ego and get into your prospect's ego. I know this sounds like common sense, and I think we've covered it more than 30 times on this podcast, but when the rubber meets the road, when the fingers hit the keyboard, it's so easy to get caught up in what you know to be true about your offer, that you might forget that what your prospect feels and wants and believes could be a little different, if only because they don't know everything you know. So find out exactly what they care about and use that to motivate them. As for inspiration, it's another version of the same thing. People seem to get inspired more by visions and dreams than by facts and reasons. But once you know what are the most common dreams of your prospect, then you have a pathway to add inspiration to your copy. So motivation and inspiration. I promised you the secret formula, and here it is. Motivation plus inspiration equals higher profits.
0: Hmm. The only thing that I'm thinking of is it just goes back to those emotional appeals. Instead of trying to logic somebody into something, Tapping into their emotions is, and then giving some logic to back it up. But yeah, go after those emotions first.
1: Okay, cool. Agree with you. Totally. All right. Number three, use seducer words at or near the start of your sentence to get the prospects to accept and believe what's already true. Now, this is an interesting one because it comes from the more subtle language of influence than... The bombastic vocabulary of power words. What we're talking about here with seducer words is getting past the typical reaction of, duh, tell me something I don't know, when you have to lay out some baseline facts to make your point. Suppose you want to give a simple productivity tip f- for morning people. Now, I have a friend who I'm not allowed to call before 9 30 in the morning ever. Hmm. So, I know what I'm about to use as an example wouldn't work for everyone, but if you have already qualified your audience to include only morning people, compare the following two sentences. Sentence number one, if you get up one hour earlier, you'll have an extra hour in the morning to get things done. Sentence number two, naturally, if you get up one hour earlier, you'll have an extra hour in the morning to get things done. The sentence that begins with naturally is easier to accept, right? Even though both sentences are equally true. The reason it preempts the antagon- the reason is it preempts the antagonized question, why are you telling me something I already know? The word naturally somehow implies that yeah, you already know this, but it's important we establish this before we move on to the really good information. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm going to give you eight seducer words including the ones we just used, the one we just used, one, naturally, two, obviously, three, certainly, four, surely, five, definitely, six, fortunately, seven, evidently, and eight, automatically. I'll go through them again. Naturally, obviously, certainly, surely, definitely, Fortunately, evidently, automatically. You can get more agreement with these words from your prospects to accept and believe what's already true. And sometimes that's really important. Like
0: okay. that? I'm going to have a little bit of, I don't know, maybe pushback or questioning on that. I have heard and I have also found that using adverbs sparingly, I just used adverb there, is better than just littering my copy with them. A lot of times I feel like putting adverbs in just willy-nilly tends to lessen the persuasive power of it. So I, I want to know, since all of those words were adverbs, and I've learned over the years that sometimes adverbs will decrease the believability of copy. I wanted to get your thoughts on that.
1: Sure. Well, obviously you're not going to use these anywhere in in your copy because that would be silly and and you're right, it would reduce the effectiveness, but surely you want people not to go, "Oh my god, what what he's saying is is ridiculous." And this kind of stuff automatically makes them accept that. So I just used 3 of them. Did it reduce the effectiveness of what I said? <laughs>
0: It didn't. And I think that's important to point out. You've got to be careful with it because I've heard people say it'll massively increase the results or actually it was this, or it was really, really. And every time I see it used that way, I'm like, Oh, you're trying yeah, too but
1: hard. Th- these are very specific words. I'm not saying any adverb. I'm saying mm-hmm. these words and you didn't use any of these words just
0: now. No. Yeah. Well, so you got to be so careful. I ones.
1: agree with you about, about, You know, I mean, when you're using it to hype something, when you're using it to, you know, increase and these are not about increasing intensity. These are about opening up the mind to accept Mm. something the mind already accepts.
0: Okay. Yeah. Nice. So with that, with that kind of addendum to it, yeah, it makes perfect sense.
1: Okay, cool. Let's move on to number four, use hypnotic stems oh boy, I see your antenna going up already when I say the word <laughs> hypnotic, to get your prospects to visualize how they would experience the benefits you offer. Okay, so a lot of hypnotic language looks absolutely ridiculous in copy. I'm not going to give you these bad examples because there's no point spouting something that works in a therapeutic environment but sounds like absolute gibberish on a podcast unless, of course, it's a hypnotic podcast, but this is a copywriter's podcast. And even though I'm not going to spout the hypnotic gibberish, it doesn't work in copy, you probably know what I'm talking about. A good way to recognize hypnotic language that's not a fit for copywriting is when what you're hearing or reading stops sounding conversational or making sense. That's going too far. So, Don't go down that route. It's a sure loser. But cheer up. There are some areas where there's an overlap, where the language of hypnosis and the language of copywriting both work using the same words. And probably the easiest one to use and the easiest one you can make work has to do with little phrases called hypnotic stems. The reason these phrases are good in both contexts is because we use these words every day when we're having An ordinary conversation and yet used strategically in copy they can be very powerful these are phrases that almost automatically turn on the visualizing part of your prospects brain and here are three have you ever can you imagine suppose you could what these phrases do is they start to get your reader out of their critical logical left brain and into their more imaginative, emotional, right brain. Of course, what comes after is crucial to making these work. So let's try one to see how it goes. We'll use the phrase, can you imagine? Can you imagine feeling more confident than ever before that your copy will work and convert at the highest levels? I promise you, that's more powerful than the phrase minus the stem. Here's the phrase without the stem. You'll be feeling more confident than ever before that your copy will work and convert at the highest levels. What I just said was good, but it engages the right brain more when it starts with the phrase, can you imagine? And again, the other two hypnotic stems are have you ever and suppose you could. So try hypnotic stems when you want your prospect to dream a little. Mm.
0: What I like about this is like in regular sales, they call it the puppy dog sale. Just take it home for the weekend. If you don't like the dog, you can bring it back. You make it real for them before they make the purchase. Take the car out for a spin. See how you like it. Play with the iPad in the Apple store. See how you like it. Make it real for them. And then it's harder for them to say no once it's already been made real. We don't have that ability in copy. We can't hand them the product so we have to we have to give them ways to make it real inside of their vision inside of their mind and then once it's real there then they're more likely to say yes so it's a it's a great sales tactic that is transformed into the written word i love it
1: yeah and and these phrases do make it real i mean i've heard that there's the brain does not perceive any difference between a vividly imagined experience and an actual experience. So very, very cool.
0: I've woken up angry from things that I only dreamed about and bugged me all morning. So I can testify to that.
1: Okay. There's the proof. All right. Here's number five. Don't just sell a product. And this brings up the limits of AI. Now to be sure you can come up with prompts to guide chat GPT to go beyond selling a product. But I think some smart research combined with strategic imagination, not using ChatGPT will take you a lot further. So I'm gonna suggest three stages, three increasing stages of going beyond selling a product. And the first one is selling a solution, selling the product as a solution. Remember Charles Mills, the executive from the OM Scott company, which is now renamed the Scott's miracle Grow company. Way back in the day, Mills said that his lawn care company had discovered, in our copy, we must never forget for an instant that people are interested in their lawn, not in our seed. The grass seed, of course, is the product. The green lawn is the solution, especially if your lawn wasn't turning green before. That little discovery seems to have worked out pretty well. The company has been around for more than 150 years. The second stage of not just selling a product gets you aiming higher. Instead of selling a product, sell a path to making your prospect's dream come true. I would say the entire guitar industry is a great example of the second stage. Mm -hmm. And the third stage takes your prospect to an entire new realm. Instead of selling your prospect the product, Sell them the surefire way to become the person they've always wanted to be. Mm -hmm. This is what works for everything from cars to gym memberships to all kinds of online courses. People believe this is possible, and sometimes it really is.
0: Mm -hmm. I Think of that last one as selling an identity. And if you look at Nike, if you look at Apple, if you look at a lot of these big brands, that's what they're doing. They're not just selling an iPad. They're not just selling tennis shoes. They're selling an identity.
1: Do you think if I came up with an app that would automatically press control Z or command Z every time you thought about it, and I used the phrase, just undo it, I'd get sued by Nike?
0: That's, I don't know. We'll have to find out. New app coming soon.
1: (laughs) All right. Six every prospect has the same last name, Simpleton. Now, this can set off alarm bells in your head, especially if you have sophisticated prospects. So, hear this I'm not saying your prospects are stupid. Some may be, but that's not what this is all about. What we're talking about here is something entirely different than IQ or intelligence or feral intelligence or lizard brain, anything. We're talking about the buying process. And there are two rules to keep in mind for this particular tip. One, the confused mind does not buy. Mm -hmm. Number two, sales are not propelled by facts and logic. Sales are propelled by emotion. So you want a lot of your copy to be factual, but in a way that is so simple that the logical mind relaxes because it doesn't have any work to do. If you can write copy that is simple to figure out, then your prospect will not get confused. So that takes care of rule number one, the confused mind does not buy. And if the logical mind can go on break while your prospect is reading your carefully simplified copy, then the prospect can have their positive emotions not be interfered with. So emotions can propel your prospect to the sale. That takes care of rule number two. Sales are not propelled by facts and logic. Sales are propelled by emotion. Pile on top of that, the more complicated your product is, the fewer people will buy it. Now, you could have a simple product, but if the copy isn't simple, people will still react to it the same way they would react to a complicated product. So even if the product has aspects that are complicated, your job as a copywriter is to make everything simple, simple, simple. Of course, your prospect is not really a simpleton, but keeping this idea in mind will help you remember to write your copy as simply as possible.
0: I remember one of the very first episodes that we did, you explained a good sales letter like a nicely lubed slide. And you said your job is to provide the simplest path from point A to point B. And every time that there's a bump in the slide, every time there's a rough rough spot in the slide a word that they have to go look up on Wikipedia to see what it means or a concept that's too far beyond the average reader, that's a chance for them to jump off of the slide and never reach the bottom. So keeping it simple so that slide is just a nice lubed, I'm sorry to use that word over and over again, but a nice lubed From point A to point B and you get there fast. That analogy, when you said that to me, I was like, holy cow, I never thought about it that way. But yeah, every time you complicate it is a chance for the person to jump off of the slide and never reach the end point that you want to get them to.
1: Yeah. And I wonder how many people are going to turn to someone else say, I heard the word lubed on copywriters podcast today.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Hopefully not more than five.
1: (laughs) Not more than five. Number seven, program your mind for robo-copywriting. Oh, whoa, this is not about AI. It's quite different. (laughs) What this is about, it's a way of thinking that automatically turns you into a better copywriter. And it follows from the last tip about keeping your copy simple. We're taking it to the next level here. The basic idea of this robo-copywriter reflex is to turn complex, hard-to-grasp concepts into simple mechanical explanations that, and use that particular mechanism to sell your product. Here's an example. Suppose you're selling a business insurance policy where most people for decades have been used to getting three kinds of protection, and your insurance policy, innovatively, has five. Using a metaphor, you could say, You know how when you put on a glove to protect your hand from the cold and it snugly covers all four fingers and your thumb on each hand? Well, imagine you had a pair of gloves that only covered three fingers but didn't cover your thumb or index fingers. They would be exposed to the bitter cold. You could get frostbite on your thumb and finger, even with your gloves on. That's what we thought about was this important form of protection. So we added two coverages to the policy. Now, just like with a full glove, you are protected in five ways. Notice, this doesn't explain all the details or even the reason for the change, but somehow it makes sense. When you start to think in terms of simple mechanisms and metaphors like this, you can take your copy to a whole new level and avoid getting frostbite. <laughs>
0: This reminds me of a couple of episodes that we've done talking about like the big idea of a sales piece. It's a kind of like an idea that ties everything together and it doesn't, have to, uh, it doesn't have to go into detail on everything, but it's that kind of overall encompassing umbrella idea.
1: Yeah, that, that's true. If, if you can have a good mechanism or a good metaphor for your big idea and, and carry it through your copy, man, that can work really well. Mm-hmm. All right. So this last one is short, but incredibly important. Build up the value of what you're offering until it's absolutely irresistible. The value that your prospect perceives is why they buy. The value that your prospect experiences once they get your product is the reason they don't send it back for a refund. So make sure your product can live it up to his promises. What you want is for your prospect to read your copy about your product and say, I've got to have it that way your prospects natural resistance will be overtaken by their surging desire but what you're looking for is to make an offer that seems more valuable than holding on to the comparatively small amount of money in their pocket
0: okay so sometimes at the end of a sales letter i'll do what i call a value stack where i say plus you're going to get this bonus plus you're going to get this plus you're going to get this and then i'll do a if you had to buy all of these things separately, you'd end up spending well over whatever, whatever, and then say, but now compare that to the low, low price of, and I'm being a little bit hyperbolic here, but is that kind of an example of what you're talking about?
1: Well, yeah, but I'm talking about doing it with every one of those components at mm. the time. I mean, yeah, so certainly stacking the value and comparing it you know, to your low price Absolutely. But, but carrying that mindset all the way through, you know, Mm -hmm. just letting people know how every aspect of what you're selling is valuable.
0: So don't just wait to the end when you put everything together in the package, do it as you're going through and just slowly build it throughout the whole way.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you're going to sell, you might as well sell, right? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Okay. So you want to recap? Yeah, let's go through. Okay. Number one, use stories to eliminate objections before they come up. Number two, really great copy has two jobs, to move the prospect towards the action you want them to take and to inspire your prospect. Three, use seducer words at the start of your sentences to get prospects to accept and believe what's already true. Four, use hypnotic stems to get your prospects to visualize how they would experience the benefits of what you have to offer. Number five, don't just sell a product. Number six, every prospect has the same last name, Simpleton. Number seven, program your mind for robo-copywriting. And number eight, build up the value of what you're offering so it's absolutely irresistible.
0: David a fantastic episode is this the end of this particular series
1: this is the end oh, man okay mm-hmm. if you can if you yeah. can
0: <laughs> if you can get a copy of this book i highly recommend i think this was one of the first things that i ever came across from you when we started working you sent me over a copy of it and it was i've said this before and i'll say it again it was so far ahead of its time as far as how it was laid out i feel like if it was released today and maybe chopped up for the tiktok generation it would be so phenomenal if you can get your hands on a on a physical copy of this cd i would i would pay any price that you have to do to get it but uh thank you for taking what you could and putting it into these episodes this has been a fantastic series man
1: well you're welcome thank you for saying that and Stay tuned. We've we've got one book coming out soon, but there might just be another book after that that includes this. What do you think about that? Nice. That, I this, can't wait. This, that.
0: <laughs> All right. And if you enjoyed this episode, if you want to catch the other three previous episodes on Gorilla Copywriting, or any of the fantastic episodes that we have. Already previously produced, you can check them out over at copywriterspodcast.com. While you're there, make sure that you subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And until next time, we will catch you later.
1: Catch you later. Before we go, a quick question. Would you like to have me as a guest on your podcast? Let me give you an easy way to contact me about that. We've put up a form on garfinkelmedia.com, and it won't take much more than a minute to fill it out. So if you'd like to have me on your show, just go to garfinkelmedia.com and fill out the form. That's garfinkelmedia.com. Thanks, and see you next time on the Copywriters Podcast. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.